Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. Okay, today we are talking about uh, depression and anxiety and climbing out of depression and anxiety. And I got to tell you, you know, depression is in about every human being. I mean, everybody goes through depressive waves and anxiety waves in their life. The problem is, is that with depression and anxiety, it can become a disorder, meaning it takes over. It basically starts to assume a part of your personality. And a lot of people struggle with that, especially this time of year, uh, especially if you live in, uh, in a climate that's, that's gloomy or things like that, that. That can be a very difficult thing. Your life has to change. There's, uh, you have fewer options. It's harder to exercise if it's cold outside. So there's a lot of different things that take place. But with depression, you know, you got to look at what is it. And, and it is not a passing blue mood. It's really persistent feelings of sadness and worthlessness and a lack of desire to engage in uh, pleasurable activities that used to be uh, happy for you. It, it's a it's a, a complex mind-body illness, and it can be treated with drugs and therapy and all that good stuff. And, and it is actually depression and anxiety are the most treatable diagnosis in all of mental health. Uh, a, de- a depressive disorder is basically an illness, and it involves the body, the mood, the thoughts, and it interferes with people's daily lives and their normal functioning, and it causes pain for both the person with the disorder and those who have to care for the person. And so the depressive disorder is not the same as, as uh, once again, that passing blue mood. And it's not a sign of personal weakness or a condition that can be willed or wished away. People with depressive illness cannot just pull themselves together and get better. And without treatment, symptoms can last for weeks, months, and even years. And so depression is basically a common but serious illness. And and most people who experience it need treatment to get better. And appropriate treatment, uh, however can help most people who suffer from depression. So, you know, depressive disorders, they come in all kinds of forms, just as the case with other illnesses, uh, such as heart disease. Three of the most common types of depressive disorders are described um, as uh, variations of a severity or persistence, uh, basically, depending on how, how strong the depressive disorder is. You know, depression can leave you bedridden for weeks, uh, or it can and leave you just as an irritable mess, somebody that it is hard to deal with. Um, it, it can come in all kinds of fashions. But uh, the symptoms is usually interferes with work, with study, with sleep, with eat. And, and uh, once again, pleasurable activities are no longer pleasurable. Um, that depressive episode may occur only once, but it also commonly occurs several times. It comes in waves uh, throughout your life. Now, there's another disorder called dysthymic disorder. And dysthymia, if you can imagine Eeyore 
in uh, Winnie the Pooh. It's it's just a, a it involves a long term, two years or longer, less severe symptoms, uh, not completely disabling, but keeps a person from functioning normally or from feeling good. Many people with systemia also experience uh, major depressive episodes at some time in their lives. But dysthymia is basically a flatline depression. It, it doesn't go too much up or too much down. It just is, is what it is. And some forms of depression <coughs> exhibit slightly different characteristics uh, than, than a normal depressions. Uh, you know, once, a, once, a, once again, depression is not just a thing. It's not just that's what it is. It's, it comes in all kinds of variances. Like a psychotic depression occurs when a severe depressive illness is accompanied by some form of psychosis, such as a break with reality, hallucinations, delusions. There's also a postpartum depression, which is diagnosed if a new mother develops major depressive episodes within one month after delivery. And about 10 to 15 percent of women actually have that kind of postpartum depression experience. Also, there's the seasonal effect disorder, which is, is basically the onset of depressive illness during winter months uh, when there's less natural light. And so the depression generally lifts during spring and summer, but it, 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 this can actually, the, what's interesting about seasonal affective disorder, which is depression, seasonal depression, it can actually be treated by light therapy. And nearly half of the people with seasonal depression uh, don't respond to light therapy, but antidepressant medication, psychotherapy can reduce those symptoms, but the light therapy can also assist. Also, there's the bipolar disorder, and which is called manic depressive illness, and it, it is, uh, it is uh, not as prevalent as major depression or dysthymia, but it basically is dis uh, a lot of cycling moods changes severe highs called mania and lows called depression and so that's the ingredients of depression the symptoms of depression you know not everyone who is depressed or manic experiences every symptom but some people experience a few symptoms uh, now what are those symptoms well there's persistent sad anxious empty mood there is feelings of hopelessness or pessimism feelings of guilt worthlessness or uh, helplessness there's a uh, loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies, activities that were once enjoyed, including sex. There's decreased energy, fatigue, being slowed down. There's also the difficulty of concentrating or remembering or making decisions. Insomnia oftentimes comes with depression, uh, early morning wakening or oversleep. And then there's appetite. There's either weight gain, overeating, or weight loss. That's often accompanies depression. And there's also sometimes in depression thoughts of suicide or suicidal attempts. There's this restlessness. There's irritability. There's persistent physical symptoms that don't respond to treatment such as headaches or digestive disorder, chronic pain. And so depression can be very complex. And, and what causes it? There's no, there's no single cause of depression. It usually results from a combination of things like uh, your biochemical makeup, your genetic makeup, environmental conditions, psychological factors. And, and, and if you look at research, it indicates that depressive illnesses are disorders of the brain. And, and brain imaging technologies such as uh, a magnetic uh, renaissance MRIs 
they have shown that brains of people who have depression look different than those without depression. And so the parts of the brain that are responsible for regulating mood and thinking and sleep and appetite behavior appear to function abnormally. And, and so also uh, neurotransmitters, which are chemicals that the brain cells use to communicate, appear to be out of balance. And so, uh, you know, depression can be indicated in an MRI. Also, uh, it looks different in men and women. You know, women experience depression about twice as often as men. Uh, there's usually biological, life cycle, hormonal, other factors unique to women that, that often are linked uh, to their higher depression rate. And so if you look at the hormones, they directly affect the brain chemistry that controls emotions and moods. So some women may be susceptible to a severe form of premenstrual uh, depression. And uh, women affected by that typically experience depression, anxiety, irritability, mood swings the week before menstruation. And, and so that interferes with their normal functioning. And women with debilitating uh, uh, depression prior to menstrual cycle, they, they, didn't, they don't necessarily have unusual hormone changes, they, but they do have different responses to the changes. And so... Um, you know, scientists look at that and they see how the uh, cyclical rise and fall of estrogen and other hormones may affect the brain chemistry, which is associated with depression. But many women face additional stresses of work and home responsibilities, single parenthood, caring for children, aging parents, abuse, poverty, relationship strains. And it remains really it's unclear why some women faced with enormous challenges develop depression while others uh, with similar challenges don't. But, you know, all women are going to respond differently to all of these factors, abuse, poverty, relationships, jobs, caring for children, single parenthood, home responsibilities, work responsibilities. That's a lot. That is a lot. And, and depression in men there's in the United States alone about six million men have pervasive depression, and, and so um, men may be more willing to acknowledge fatigue or irritability or loss of interest in work or hobbies and sleep disturbances rather than feelings of sadness or or talking about worthlessness or excessive guilt, and so they don't necessarily address the depression. Usually, they address the symptomology of depression, the results of it, which has to do with feeling tired or or sleeping, um, or their lack of functionality. And so, you know, depression can be associated in men with an increased risk of coronary heart disease in both men and women, but women or men suffer a high death rate uh, with coronary heart disease. And so with men, instead of acknowledging their feelings and asking for help or seeking appropriate treatment, they may turn to alcohol or drugs when they're depressed and become frustrated, discouraged, angry, irritable, violently abusive. And some men deal with depression by throwing themselves into their work or attempting to hide their depression from themselves, you know, from their family, uh, from friends. And other men may respond to depression by engaging in, in reckless behavior, like taking risk and putting themselves in, in harm's way. But more than four times as many men as women die by suicide in the United States. And so, you know, men live a very self-destructive life in depression. 
and it can cause a whole lot of problem. Even if the man realizes he's depressed, he, may, he, he might be less willing than a woman to actually seek help. And, and now we also have to talk about depression in elderly. You know, some people have the mistaken idea that it's normal for elderly to feel depressed. You know, that's not true. Older people feel satisfied with their lives. Sometimes, though, when depression develops, it may be dismissed as normal part of aging. However, when older adults have depression, it may be overlooked because seniors may show different, less obvious symptoms. And, and they may be inclined to experience or acknowledge feelings of sadness and grief. And by acknowledging it, they accept it. And so the depression just sets in deeply. You know, older adults may have more medical t- conditions also, such as heart disease or stroke or cancer, which also de- causes depressive symptoms. And they can be taking medications with side effects that contribute to depression. So some older adults can experience what doctors call uh, vascular depression or, or uh, diastolic depression or subcordial uh, ischemic depression. You know, uh, vascular depression may result when blood vessels become less flexible and they harden and they become constricted. And that hardening of the vessels prevents normal blood flow to the body's organs, including the brain. And so it causes a sense of depression in elderly people. And the majority of older adults with depression improve when they receive treatment uh, with an antidepressant or psychotherapy or the combination of both. So, you know, in looking at depression, we have to know what it looks like to be able to treat it. Now, what is anxiety? You know, anxiety or extreme apprehension and worry is normal reaction to stressful situations. And in a lot of cases, worry becomes excessive and sometimes it becomes chronic and it causes sufferers uh, to, to dread everyday situations. And so the conditions of steady, pervasive anxiety is generally called uh, generalized anxiety disorder. But there are numerous anxiety-related disorders. One is called a panic disorder, severe episodes of anxiety that occur in response to specific triggers. Another is obsessive-compulsive disorder, and that's persistent, intrusive thoughts or compulsions to carry out specific behaviors, such as, uh, for instance, hand-washing. And then there's post-traumatic stress disorder, and it may develop after an exposure to a terrifying event where the person doesn't have the coping skills to deal with it. So anxiety frequently uh, co-occurs with depression, and the two are usually uh, come together. Usually a person is anxious because they're depressed, because they can't function normally, or they're depressed because they're anxious and they're living in fear and they feel their life is out of control. And so they kind of work together. They're the yin and the yang of uh, mental disorders. And it's, it's, it's uh, anxiety itself is usually exaggerated worries, expectations of negative outcomes, unknown situations are very stressful. And oftentimes, concerns are often accompanied by physical symptoms. That includes muscle tension, headaches, stomach cramps, uh, frequent urination. And so behavioral therapies with or without medication to control the symptoms usually are very effective, especially in children with anxiety. So what are the symptoms? The symptoms is an inability to relax, uh, irrational expectations of bad outcomes, irritability, insomnia, once again, these, these uh, co-occur with depression. A lot of these symptomologies of anxiety 
also are a part of depression. There's tiredness, there's headaches, there's muscle tension, difficulty swallowing, trembling, twitching, frequent urination. And and so we have to look at, you know, the brain circuitry that controls the threat response that goes crazy in our brains. If we live in fear, and the opposite fear is faith, if we live in fear, we're going to always feel vulnerable and anxious. And people oftentimes don't understand that they have to learn how to not live in fear. And if you can learn that, you can often live a very fulfilling life. Unfortunately, many people live in fear. And once again, depression and anxiety coexist. And so you're, you're either anxious or you're depressed or you're both. And so, you know, you have to treat mentally, we have to treat both anxiety and depression in two dis- those as two distinct disorders, but also we have to treat them both in therapy because they come with each other. Seven, at least 70% of the time, both are there when you're treating depression or anxiety. You know, uh, over the past couple of years, uh, researchers and clinicians have been moving towards uh, this conclusion that depression and anxiety are not two disorders uh, that that you that uh, are treatable by themselves, and so there's there's uh, two sides of the coin that you have to go after. You know, depression is a shutdown. Anxiety is a kind of looking at the future, seeing dangerous things. So we have to deal with both the mental thoughts that come with it. Now, what is the root of depression? The root of depression, the root of anxiety in looking at it is unmet expectations. And if we have lots of expectations that can't be reached, we're oftentimes going to find ourselves in a very depressed mood because expectations come with a a feeling that we uh, want something to happen and we expect something to happen and when it doesn't, we become emotionally distressed. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about more about these two disorders, but we're also going to talk about how to treat them and how to get out of it. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at Be the Star You Are Radio. And the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Says, Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about depression and anxiety and how to climb out of it. You know, uh, once again, depression and anxiety uh, coexist. They, they work together. You know, um, the nature of an anxiety disorder has an influence on depression. For instance, people with obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorders, social phobias, they're particularly associated with depression. And and so age also plays a role. So a person who develops an anxiety disorder for the first time after uh, 40, for instance, is likely to have depression. Um, Someone who uh, develops panic attacks for the first time at age 50 often has a history of depression or is experiencing depression at the same time. So usually anxiety uh, precedes depression, typically by uh, several years. 
And so currently, you know, the average age of onset of any anxiety disorder is usually late childhood, early, early adolescence, and then it comes into depression uh, later on in life. And so the average onset of depression is usually the mid-20s, and a young person is not likely to outgrow anxiety unless they get it treated uh, and taught some cognitive skills. So a lot of people just become anxiety. It becomes their part of their personality, and they uh, move on into life uh, with that, and then it carries on into depression because they feel their life is out of control. And so, you know, the, the shared cornerstone of anxiety and depression is the perceptual process of overestimating the risk in a situation and underestimating personal resources for basically coping with anxiety and depression. And when I was talking about earlier, depression, anxiety, once again, they, 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 they work together. But if you look at the thought disorder that comes with it, it is frequently the same thing. And that same thing is the expectation of unreasonable things, the expectation of things to happen the way you want them to happen rather than the way they happen. And so people with unreasonable expectations frequently become depressed because expectations have a lot of emotional consequences and they're usually very negative. Now, if you convert depression, if you convert those expectations into preferences, think about what that would come to. Well, that comes to a very light reaction to negative outcomes. That means that we're no longer trying to control the world, but we're actually just preferring things to happen. And when they don't happen the way they happen, that we want them to happen, we just prefer them to happen, we don't have that negative emotional reaction to things. And so if you look at how to overcome just the thought disorder of depression and anxiety, live in the world of preferences, communicate preferences rather than expectations. Lose the desire to control outcomes and all of a sudden you'll begin to accept the flow of life. You'll uh, begin to accept the fact that life comes with consequences and also life comes with interpretation by other people and that means they have their own perception of the world which influences our perception of the world and so it's a, the fact is is that when we look at that and when we look at the the life in that context and develop that as a philosophy of life a way to live life a life full of preferences then we no longer have that negative emotional reactivity. You know, when you're depressed, it, it feels like nothing in the world can make you feel better. And it, it is a devious disorder because the symptoms creates a, dis, a, a discouraging feeling from completing the actions or seeking help that would actually help us. And so there's this lack of energy, there's low self-esteem, there's dwindling excitement. And they make it hard to get out of that state. And for anyone experiencing that stuckness that depression creates, it's important to remember that depression is very common and highly treatable. By treating it like any other physical disease and taking the actions that will destroy the, 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 the parasite of depression, which infects your mental state, you can conquer depression. And so, you know, the biggest thing is recognize and conquer your, your, your self-attacks is the biggest step. It's often, you know, depression is accompanied by critical, self-destructive uh, 
mentality, and it basically interferes with and distracts us from our daily lives. And so when we're depressed, people tend to accept this negative identity as a real representation of who they are. And so many people fail to recognize that, you know, this sadistic point of view is actually the voice of a a well-hidden enemy that's within us. And and so, you know, and you've got to look at that as it's basically a critical inner voice. And that critical inner voice can become who we are if we keep listening to it over and over again. You know, life is a faith-based activity. It does not work well when we live in fear. We have to take leaps of faith, which means there's going to be failures. There's going to be outcomes that we didn't expect. There's going to be things that happen that we don't know. There's going to be other influences from other people. And when we look at the world philosophically in that context, we begin to accept the flow of life and we begin to live a better life. So, you know, if you're going to climb out of depression, it's helpful to think of these destructive thoughts as being like parasites that keep you in bed when you're sick with the flu. Don't listen to the attacks, the critical, the the, the judgmental ideas that we have in our mind, the excuses that we give ourselves to do things we're not supposed to do. We can't accept those as the way of life. If we do that, we're going to be depressed. Instead, when you notice the thoughts and those attitudes starting to intensify, Take precedence over your more realistic, positive ways of thinking. You have to think in a faith-based way. When you live in fear, begin to think in faith. Okay, I have faith that this is going to, that a good thing's going to happen. I have faith that my team is going to win their game. I have faith that I'm going to rise above and have a great day. Instead of going, oh my gosh, I don't feel good and I'm going to just live, this This day is going to be awful, blah, blah, blah. When we feed that critical voice, we're feeding depression. We have to have compassion for ourselves and recognize that that inner voice is a destructive enemy. And it can begin to see who you are, you know, it, see, uh, it can become you uh, if you want it to. And so think about, you know, what you, what you could be angry at. You know, if you think of depression as a continual state of sadness or increased painful thoughts, some depression can come in a form of state of numbness, a lack of feeling that weakens all excitement and smothers your potential to feel joy. So suppression or cutting off of emotions could be a defense against something you aren't comfortable feeling. You know, many people who suffer from depression are actually masking a feeling of anger, turning their rage towards someone else on on themselves. And anger can be a hard feeling to accept. As from a very young age, we're often told it's bad to be angry, that we need to behave and not throw tantrums or get in fights while acting uh, abusive is never acceptable. Feeling anger is a natural part of everyday lives. And by acknowledging and accepting or discussing your angry feelings, you're much less likely to turn these feelings against yourself and allow them to lead you to a depressive state. So acknowledging anger, I am angry. That doesn't mean you have to express the anger in an angry way. It just means you can acknowledge it. And by acknowledging your feelings, I'm sad, I'm upset, I'm having a hard day, I'm having a difficult time. Just acknowledging that gives yourself a chance to climb out of it. But if you just keep it inside and let it become you, it's going to dictate bad feelings and people are going to interpret them in a way of not understanding your feelings and where you're coming from. 
The other thing is, if you don't want to be anxious or depressed, you need to be active. When you're depressed, your energy levels drop drastically. But the last thing you want to do when you're feeling down is keep yourself from getting up. So it's a, a, a physiological fact that activity fights depression. Get your heart rate up 20 minutes a day, five days a week, and, and it is scientifically proven that if you feel, you will feel better emotionally if you exercise. And so getting that heartbeat up is going to create the neuroplasticity that your brain needs to release neurochemicals, which are basically called endorphins. And they help elevate your mood just uh, getting out of the house for a walk or a game of catch with your kids or a trip to the gym is medically proven to improve the way you feel. The other thing is if you don't want to be anxious and depressed, don't isolate yourself. When you're depressed, you may hear thoughts telling you to be alone, keep quiet, not to bother people with your problems. Again, these thoughts should be treated like parasites that try to keep your body from getting healthy. Don't listen to them. When you feel bad, even if you feel embarrassed, confiding in a friend and voicing your struggles can lighten your burden and begin a process of ending your unhappiness. So talk about your problems or your worries is not a self-centered or self-pitying endeavor. Friends, family, especially those who care about you, appreciate knowing what's going on. Even the simple act of putting yourself in a social atmosphere can lift your spirit. So go to a place where there are people who may have similar interests as you, and even a public spot like a museum, a park, a mall, where you can enjoy uh, being a whole, uh, uh, amongst other people. So don't allow yourself to indulge in the thought that you're different or less than other people. Everyone struggles at all times and, 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 and variances at all times. And your depression does not define who you are or single you out from other people. The, the, the other thing is do things you once like to do, even if you don't feel like it. You know, depression is one of the hardest emotional states to endure, and the symptoms of self can basically destroy your will and your energy to engage in activities you used to love. So giving um, this lethargic state and giving into it can give your depression more power. So stay active in your life. Pursue anything and everything you may find of interest and reignite your spark and keep on your own side. Though easier said than done, the times you feel most like slumping on the couch are the moments you should force yourself to take a walk, cook a meal, call a friend. And if you've ever been depressed before, before, do whatever it was before that helped you climb out of that depression. So coping strategies that have worked for you in the past are a great place to start. Activities that help you calm down, raise your spirits are very important. Even simple things like baking brownies or taking a bath or listening to some upbeat music. Act against the critical inner voice that tells you nothing will help. Remember, its only purpose is to keep you from feeling better. You know, the other thing is it could be as simple as watching a funny show or a movie. It may seem silly or all too simple, but anything that makes you laugh or smile can actually help uh, convince your brain that you're happy. And if you look at depression as your critical inner voice having tricked you into feeling bad, then you can have your own tricks ready to fight depression. So play play your favorite sitcom or, or f watch a funny movie or read a, a comical writer. Don't, don't think of this as merely a distraction, 
but as an effective way in reminding your brain that you can feel good again. That is critical, critical. Don't punish yourself for feeling bad. You know, feeling embarrassed or, or self-hating over your, your depression will only increase your symptoms and it discourages you from seeking help. Your, you know, your critical thoughts towards yourself will try to keep you down any way they can and including attacking you uh, for feeling down. So it's important to take your side and have compassion for yourself at those times. Um, and the biggest thing is, you know, if you're going to climb out of depression, is see a therapist. Talking is a powerful way of, of combating your depression. It is huge. And so there's nothing shameful about recognizing that you have a problem that you can't solve on your own. And the seeking the help of a, a therapist is a big way to help you uh, confidentially unload those things that you uh, are unhappy about. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the coping with depression, the natural feelings that come with depression and anxiety, and how we can naturally break it on our own, even if we don't seek help. All right, come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about, but these topics do need to be discussed. On Let's Talk About Grief, host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief, death, and personal loss. You'll hear the important topics, the personal and professional outlooks, and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises. Listen Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Okay, we're talking about climbing out of depression and anxiety. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can positively cope with depression and anxiety. The biggest thing is staying in touch. You know, you don't want to withdraw from your life. Socializing improves your mood. It keeps you in touch with friends, family, and it means you have someone to talk to when you feel down. And once again, coping with depression and anxiety means you need to be more active. So you take up exercise. There's a whole lot of evidence that exercise can lift your mood. And even if you haven't exercised for a while, start gently by walking for 20 minutes every day. And that begins to get a momentum going. The biggest thing, though, with anxiety and depression is facing your fears. Don't avoid the things you find difficult. When people feel lower anxious, they sometimes avoid talking to other people. And some people can lose their confidence in, in going out or driving or traveling. So if this starts to happen, face up to the situations, which will help you the, the better become easier. Also, the biggest thing is don't drink too much alcohol. For some people, alcohol can become a problem. And you may drink more than usual as a way of coping with hiding your emotions or just filling time. But alcohol won't solve your problems, and it also can make you feel more depressed. But the biggest thing is coping with depression and anxiety is eat a healthy diet. Some people don't feel like eating when they're depressed and are in the risk of becoming underweight. Others find comfort in food. And then they put on excess weight. Um, the biggest thing that you have to understand also is what's even more depressing is antidepressants can also affect your appetite. So if you're concerned about weight loss or weight gain, you want to look into how antidepressants are affecting your appetite. So talk to the doctor before you take a medication such as that about what does this have uh, as far as ramifications on gaining or losing weight. Biggest thing is having a routine. When, when people feel down, they get into poor sleep patterns, staying up late, sleeping during the day. So try to get up at your normal time and stick to your routine as much as possible. Not having a routine can affect your eating. Uh, it affects your day. And so, you know, try to carry on cooking and eating regular healthy meals. Being depressed can make you feel helpless. You, and you're not helpless. Along with therapy and sometimes medication, there's a lot you can do on your own. To, to fight back, um, you know, get in that routine. If you're depressed, you need a routine. Depression can strip away the structure of your life. One day melts into the next, setting a gentle 
daily schedule can help you get back on track and following that schedule whether you feel like it or not because people that are depressed and anxious oftentimes live at the uh, at the peril of how they feel and if you don't feel good you're not going to do a whole lot of things so stop evaluating life as how you feel but more about what you think and that means following routines and sticking to it no matter how you feel you know set goals when you're depressed you may feel like you can't accomplish anything and that makes you feel worse about yourself so to push back if you set daily goals for yourself you start to feel better especially if you accomplish those goals exercise you know exercise temporarily boosts your feel good chemicals your endorphins it, it also has long term benefits uh, for people with depression because re- regular exercise encourages the brain to rewire itself in positive ways. And so how much exercise do you need? Well, you don't need to run marathons to get a benefit. Just walking 20 minutes a few times uh, a week can really help you. And also eating healthy. There, there's no magic diet that fixes depression. It's a good idea to watch what you eat. And if depression tends to make you overeat, getting in control of your eating will help you feel better. Although nothing is definitive, um, you know, omega-3 uh, fatty acids such as salmon and tuna, folic acid such as spinach and avocado, these, these can help ease depression. And also, getting enough sleep, that's a big deal. You know, it, it's hard with depression and anxiety to get good sleep, but, you know, uh, too little sleep can make depression and anxiety a lot worse because we don't have the endurance to maintain our coping skills when we don't get enough sleep. That affects how we, our brain works. And the truth is, if you look at your brain and you look at how it functions, we need that dream state, that REM state of sleep, which is only about 15 to 20 minutes long. That dream state helps our brain function because it allows it to relieve itself of emotions. It creates scenarios that relieves the brain of emotions that we don't need and that we have in our subconscious. And so it's a wonderful thing that that with dreaming, it affects our ability to make our brain function better uh, when we wake up. The other thing is when you're depressed, you you, you wanna pull back from life. And, and when you're anxious, you wanna pull back and give up your responsibilities, but don't. Stay involved, have daily responsibilities that maintain a lifestyle that can help you counter depression. They ground you, they give you a sense of accomplishment, that's very, very important. If you're not up to, to uh, full-time school or work, that's fine, but think about part-time. If that seems too much, consider volunteer work, but make commitments and follow through. Don't let it take over your life. The biggest thing is always challenge those negative thoughts. If your fight against depression is, is, is mental and it's, it's challenging, And so when you're depressed, leap over the worst possible conclusions and go to what you have faith will happen, what you prefer to happen. So the next time you're feeling terrible about yourself, use logic instead of emotions as a depression treatment. You might feel like no one likes you, but there is real evidence, you know, that a lot of people do like you. You might feel like the most worthless person on the planet, but that's really not the truth. So it takes practice, but the more time you can beat back those negative thoughts, then they don't take control. Another thing is, you know, check with your doctor before you use supplements because there's promising evidence for certain supplements for depression. 
and that's like fish oil, folic acid, uh, Sam E. Some are, uh, you know, some of that is really good, but you have to understand that that supplements do not have uh, neuroblockers. They are like a, a shotgun in the brain. They just go where they're going to go. They don't. Ha- they're not directed anywhere. So not all the time do supplements work. And so when you're taking a supplement, you you want to find out how much you need to take for it to actually affect your brain and make your brain work in a better way. You know, another thing is do something new. When you're depressed, you're in a rut. So push yourself to do something different. Make, you know, go to a museum, pick up a, a used book, read it on the park bench, you know, volunteer at a soup kitchen, take, take a language class, do something different so that you have something to turn your brain to. And so when you try something new, it alters the level of your brain chemical dopamine, which is associated with pleasure, enjoyment, and learning. And so that's a huge thing. When you keep your brain active, uh, that helps your brain recover from depression and anxiety, and it gives you things to look forward to. And, and trying to have fun, if you're depressed, you know, make the time for things that you could enjoy. And, and if you don't enjoy it, don't worry about it. Just keep doing the things that you usually do that you enjoy or try to do new things that you could enjoy. You know, if you look at anxiety, if you deal with anxiety on a regular basis, medication doesn't have to be your only treatment. So calm your mind, cut the stress, try working these self-care tips basically for yourself. You know, move your body, exercise, pay attention to sleep. Um, Leave the the screens behind you, uh, you know, before you, you, you go to bed. That means don't you know, don't sit around watching television all the time until you go to sleep. You know, stick to a schedule. Be sure that your bed is comfortable. Uh, Keep your temperature on the cool side and ease up on caffeine and alcohol. These are big things that you can do to help yourself not feel anxious. Also, you have to understand, like if you take diet pills, a lot of diet pills have tons of upper in them of, of caffeine and stuff like that. Well, diet pills um, sometimes can keep you awake. And so, you you know, um, you really want to be careful when you take diet pills, especially taking them right before bedtime. Also, uh, headache medicines can also keep you stressed. Chocolate, tea, anything with caffeine in it can keep you stressed. Um, Big time is, is if you are a big worrier, just schedule time to worry. Take 30 minutes to identify what's bothering you and what you can do about it. Have your worry session at the same time every day and then let it go. Don't dwell on it. Um, don't dwell on the what ifs because what ifs are going to kill you. The big thing about anxiety we have to understand is anxiety can kill you. Uh, your brain gets exhausted when it's depressed and anxious. Your brain is overfunctioning emotionally. And so basically what you have to understand is there's a a, a gene, if you look at the genome project, there's a gene that is triggered in your brain to be your exit strategy out of life. And if you're going to load your brain with stress and anxiety and depression, you're likely going to live less. You're likely not going to live very long because that depression and anxiety the brain finally gets sick of it. It turns that gene on. And if you have cancer or heart disease or whatever you're predispositioned as your exit strategy from life, it's going to turn that gene on. And that gene 
even if medicine cures whatever that is, the cancer, the heart disease, it will continue to come back until it kills you in your life. That's just how it works, folks. And so we need to battle depression and anxiety if we want to live a good, long life. So we need to be the boss of our thoughts. We need to manage our thoughts, manage our negative thoughts into positive thoughts. Picture yourself facing your fears head on and becoming resilient. We want to tame tense muscles. We want to relax them. We want to exercise. We want to help our community. We want to look for the things that trigger us to be depressed and anxious and take over those things by developing alternative thoughts that are much better. You know, if, if you're in uh, relationships that angers you, um, set boundaries. Learn to say no. No means no. It doesn't have to be an emotional word. No. No, I'm not going to be with that person. No, I'm going to pick better friends. No, I'm going to go to church. No, I'm going to believe in God. You know, whatever it is, the things that you hurt you, if you want to learn how to love yourself, say no to the things that hurt you. And also, do something that you fear. If you want to overcome depression and anxiety, you know, if you're scared of being alone, be alone for a while and see what it's like. You know, uh, uh, if you're afraid of people, join people and do that. that. That's called desensitization. That means we're going to actually do the things that we fear. And when you become doing the things you, you fear, you overcome your anxieties and your depressions. Also, uh, listen Listen to your own thoughts. When you're depressed, there can be a tendency to fill up emptiness with food, sex, alcohol, drugs, sleep, work. You max out your time to go and, and you, you're in the avoidance mode. So you don't have to be quiet with yourself. You want to hear your thoughts and you want to do what your thoughts tell you to do rather than your emotions. And, and by making commitments and making decisions and sticking with them, we develop that self-esteem that we can get our power back in life and we can get our lives back. All right. That's our show. Our next show is Mind Games, Calling Them and Ending Them. I'd, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Um, I'm currently scheduling speaking, teaching engagements, conducting intensive coaching for marriage, pre-marriage, individuals in person or Skype. Um, so, you know, please contact me right away if you'd like to book a time, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. And remember, here's a dialogue with anxiety. What possibly uh, would be wrong with me? What is possibly wrong with me? And anxiety's answer was, is, uh, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and if you're depressed and anxious, see if you can find a picture of you in your mother's womb and remember that that was your last good night's sleep. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 